Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Come on! Welcome to Calvary Church Online! Anybody excited to be in church? You excited to be in church online? Everybody, let us know in the chats where you're watching from. So glad that we're able to stay connected. So glad that we're able, like we're, we're transitioning to our in-person gatherings. It's absolutely amazing. And I, I'm, I'm excited. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Wait, can I just acknowledge something real quick, by the way? It's November 1st. Christmas is right around the corner. This is ridiculous. This is crazy. But we did gain an hour of sleep, so that's absolutely amazing. But uh, it's truly an honor and a privilege to be able to bring God's word today. And uh, for those that don't know me or we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Adam. And uh, I have the amazing privilege and honor to serve on our pastoral team here at Calvary and on our staff. So it's really, it's really my life's greatest honor to be able to just play a role in any, any capacity uh, for this church and for this community. But before I even move any forward, I do want to give honor to our lead pastors, Alex and Diana. You guys are amazing. I'm going to do this every single service. So, you know, I love you guys. You're amazing. For, for those that know Pastor Alex and Dee, they, they're amazing on the platform. They're, they're great leaders, great pastors, but they're even better off of it. And uh, seriously, I love you guys. Thank you. But just like Pastor Alex just said, uh, we are wrapping up our series on the book of Romans. And I don't know about you, but I have been blessed by this series. There's a lot of gold, a lot of wisdom in the book of Romans. And I love that as a community, as a church, we've, we've banded together, been studying the book and broken up into five different sections. So just to get everyone caught up, week number one, we talked about condemnation, which is why the gospel is needed. And it's needed because we're all considered guilty. We're all, we, are, we have all fallen short of God's grace and, and, and his standard. But then we have week number two, which is on justification which is what the gospel provides and that through Jesus, we are made right with God. Week number three, we spoke about sanctification, which is what the gospel produces, which is um, while yes, we're justified and made right with God, we're still living here on earth. And now we have to take, take steps and, and it's a process of how we can become more like Christ. And then last week we spoke about restoration, which is what the gospel does, which is no matter what your, future, what, what your past looks like, what your present looks like, your future, God can restore it. God has promises for you. And now week number five, we're going to cover about five different chapters. We're going to, we're going to dissect it and give a quick overview of what Paul is teaching. But this final topic is, is we're going to cover transformation, which is what the gospel promotes. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me? to Romans chapter 12. We're going to pick up in Romans chapter 12. And as you're turning there, I want to, I want to even the playing field here. I want to just create a little bit of context uh, for those that maybe are tuning in for the first time or if you're jumping into the series. So the book of Romans is written by the Apostle Paul. And the previous 11 chapters of this book, the Apostle Paul is telling the church at Rome about the amazing mercies and benefits that God has for us. Theologians actually call those 11 chapters the mercies of God, which is that he's forgiven us. He, he has made us right through Jesus. He has made us his children and that he's given us promises. But now, right? Someone say it with me. But now. <laughs> the Apostle Paul is going to shift gears. And he's going to share how in light of all of these amazing things that God has done, all of these amazing mercies, all these benefits, how we should practically respond. So if you're 
at Romans 12. Why don't you type amen on the chat? You know, send your favorite emoji. I personally love the cheese one. It's, I, I just think it's funny. It's, it's, a, it's a block of Swiss cheese. All right, so Romans chapter 12, reading in verse one, it says, therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Actually, I want everyone right now, whether you're watching online or you're here in, in our, in our you know, broadcast location, underline, highlight the word transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Definitely a lot that we're going to cover today. I absolutely love these verses. I think these two, these two verses alone will summarize what we're going to go over today. But if you are writing notes and uh, you want to put a title to this, I've titled this message, I'm Breaking the Mold. I'm Breaking the Mold. M-O-L-D. When I first like, came up with the title, I thought it was M-O-U-L-D. And Google uh, kind of helped me out. And it told me, no, you're wrong. So M-O-L-D, I'm breaking the mold. But uh, we're going to dissect this. We're going to go over a few things over these next few chapters. And uh, before we do, let's go ahead and let's pray. And let's ask God to bless this time. So Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness and grace. God, we thank you for your mercy and your kindness. God, we thank you for this privilege we have to, to connect, to, to gather online, God and in person today, God. And Lord, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Lord, I pray that you would bless this message, God, that anybody who's tuning in would be encouraged. They would be inspired. They would um, just see you for who you are, God, which is a God that loves them, that wants nothing but the best for them and wants a relationship with them, Jesus. So God, I pray that you would anoint this message. May it be your words to simply my voice. And God, may we leave out of here with a new perspective of you. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. Why don't you make some noise if you love Jesus? Come on. Let me know in the chats if you love Jesus. Send, again, send that Calvary clap. I love that during the pandemic. We made a hashtag out of that. Hashtag Calvary clap. All right. So, you know, I've been married. Um, I've been married for what's coming up to four years. In February, I'm actually going to make four years with my wife. I married my best friend in the world. I met her in high school in our senior year. And from day one, I was in love with her. I actually have a friend in Georgia that can attest to this, that when I, after like a week of me knowing my now wife, I was like, I already know how I'm going to propose. I'm going to take her to Yankee Stadium. I already got all the prices where I was going to propose during the seventh inning stretch. I, it was all planned out. So like I married the, the woman of my dreams. She's the most beautiful woman of the world. And uh, I'm making sure I'm saying that in every service so that she can, you know, rewind. I don't say it enough, but here we are. It's forever on the internet. But um, here's the thing. When we got married, uh, we actually got married on our seventh year anniversary. And the thing is, being a boyfriend and being a husband are completely two different worlds. They're completely two different things. For anybody who's married, any, any of the guys that are married right now, I, I'm sure you can attest to this. Being a husband is a lot different than being a boyfriend. And here's the thing, early on in our marriage, uh, we, I wouldn't say we got into fights, but there was, there was a little bit of conflict because I, I guess I couldn't, I couldn't quite understand the difference in this, in this style and this dynamic of our relationship. So again, being a boyfriend is different than being a husband. So when I was her boyfriend, I would, you know, it was a normal thing. I would go and hang out with the guys when, you know, I would drop her off home. And, and I was like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to hang, you know, I lived on my own. So I didn't really have to worry about a curfew or anything like that. So uh, maybe within the first year of us being married, there was a, a good season where I was hanging out with the guys. You know, I hang out with like Pastor Phil, Mike and Alex, hang out with, with some old friends from high school, hang out with some coworkers. It was just, you know, I'm just 
I'm just hanging. So those are actually one week where I, it was like almost every day I was hanging out late with the guys. And it's just, it's just one of those things where I want to be clear. Late isn't 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. We're talking like midnight, sometimes a little past. And then one day specifically after this long week, it was actually like towards like Saturday or Sunday, we actually had a, a friend visit from out of town. And, you know, since a friend's out of town, I have to go see you. Like, I, I, I need to spend time with you. Am I right? Like, I'm not, I'm not wrong here. I, I, I think I'm justified in wanting to hang out with a, with a friend that's not from here. Why not, right? But here's the thing. I, I'm hanging out with this person. It's a group of us. We're all, you know, chit-chatting, everything. And for anybody who's married, and I'm sure all, all the husbands, I know, chit-chatting, what is that? For all the husbands out there, I'm sure you would know what I'm about to say. I got the call. I got the call. So the thing is about my wife, she's from Brooklyn, New York. So when she calls me, I answer the phone and I already knew there was something wrong. I already knew it. And my wife is very bold and she's very straightforward. So I, immediately I'm like, all right, I have to like win her over. So I'm like, hey, my sweetie, how are you? And uh, it's like 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> and whether she was groggy or whether she was angry, that New York accent came out thick. And she was like, where you at, son? You, you need to get home. And immediately I'm like, okay, I already know what's going to happen. I got to go home. You know, and I'm probably going to hear it. And, and you know, it, that's exactly what happened. I get home. It's around 3 a.m. Because where I was at was about half an hour from where I lived. And she's there waiting for me in bed. And, just, and she just looks at me and she goes, you know, this isn't okay. <laughs> you know, that pierced my soul. She goes, you know, this isn't okay. I'm like, what do you mean? Come on, what do you mean it's not okay? She goes, you're married now. It's not okay to be out late. You need to be home with me. I can't sleep unless you're here. So here's the thing. My new relationship required a new way of living. See, there were certain things that I needed to change now that I'm in this new dynamic, in this new relationship. You know, at that point, I had to learn it in real time because I didn't really have any direction. But have you ever been there? Anybody who's watching, have you ever been in that type of situation where maybe you step into a new dynamic in life, a new dynamic in a relationship, a new season in life, but yet... You don't exactly know how to navigate that. You're, you're maybe stepping into it blindly like, okay, I know I'm married. I know I'm, uh, I know I'm a Christian now. I know uh, I, I'm a manager now, maybe at work. But yeah, I still don't know how I'm supposed to act this out. I don't know how I'm supposed to apply or uh, what, what I'm supposed to have learned. Like, it's just, we, we can be left in the dark. And we can do a lot of work without getting a lot done. But here's the thing. That same type of, that same type of problem can happen in our relationship with God. Where... Again, we step into this relationship with Jesus, but yet we're not exactly sure how we're supposed to live that out. But that's why I love why the Apostle Paul wrote what he wrote in the following chapters. Because for the previous 11 chapters, again, the Apostle Paul is, is highlighting what we believe as a Christian. What, what is the gospel? What is the good news, right? The good news is here, but the Apostle Paul is explaining what that good news entails. So he was wearing his teacher hat. But now between chapters 12 and 16, he's, he's putting on his leader hat and he's saying, hey, I'm going to get alongside of you and I'm going to show you and I'm going to guide you on how to properly live this out. Right. So, again, he doesn't want to leave us in the dark. He doesn't want to he doesn't want us living a life that doesn't tap in to into God's good, pleasing and perfect will for our life. See, now that the good news is here, what do we do about it? But context is key. Right? Con I'm going to say that several times in this message, so get used to it. Context is key because I truly believe for us to continue to move forward, we have to first understand the framework that we're, work that we're operating, that we're working out of. See, Paul's audience, when he writes the book of Romans, are Christians. 
he is writing believers. He's writing people that have said, hey, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and I accept them as my Lord and Savior. But although he's writing Christians, he's writing a, a, a church that is so diverse in the church of Rome. It's basically, it's composed of two major groups. You have the Jews, which are the people of Israel. These are God's chosen people. And then you also have, uh, you also have the Gentiles, which are non-Jews. So these are people from completely different backgrounds, different cultures, different experiences of what they would consider church that would pretty much cause them to have different predispositions on what being a Christian meant. See, Paul understood what the big problem was before moving forward. He understood that an incomplete faith results in an ineffective faith. So that's why he wanted to make sure that he taught us exactly what we're supposed to believe. But now that we, now that we understand it, now that we know what we believe, what do we do about it? And this isn't foreign. This isn't foreign to the book of Romans. or This isn't foreign in the Bible. There's been several times where that idea of understanding and now application go hand in hand. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, even goes on to tell them that it's not only one thing to be uh, uh, listeners of my word, but you have to be doers of my word. If not, then you're like a man who built a house on sand. Actually, James, Jesus' own brother, in a letter that he wrote, in James chapter 1, verse 22, I'm actually going to be reading out of the Amplified Translation because it just gives a little, gives a little, little emphasis, <laughs> right? He writes, but prove yourselves doers of, of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts, and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. Again, this idea isn't foreign. So it's, it's one thing to understand, right? There's that understanding doctrine, understanding theology, but then there's also that application aspect of it all in our faith. There's the actual doing, the living it out. So again, this is why Paul is writing to the church over these next few chapters. Again, he spent the last 11 chapters basically going over our vertical relationship, which is our relationship with God, what we should understand in that relationship with him. But Paul also knew that we are dual citizens. So wherever you're watching from, whether you're in the U.S. or you're in a different state, you're in a different country, you are a citizen of where you are in this earth, but you're also a citizen of heaven. You have citizenship in eternity. So Paul's now telling us, all right, now that you know your eternity citizenship, now let's talk about your horizontal. Let's talk about your life here on earth as you're living this out. See, the apostle Paul when we go back to, to, to verse 1, he tells, them, he tells the church, I urge you. He's urging them. Another translation, actually how it's properly translated from its original language is, I beseech you. When's the last time you've been besieged? It ha it's been a while, right? It has to be serious. So Paul is really trying to paint the picture of, I need you to get this. I need you to understand this because it's not one thing to, uh, to you know, celebrate all of God's mercies and his prayer. Like, all that is great, but now we have to live this out. You know, scholars actually consider this section of the Bible, the section of the book of Romans as righteousness practice. I love that because we have to live out. We have to practice our righteousness. We have to practice this new life. We have to, we have to live out this new life that we have in Jesus. And that's all because when you, when you start a relationship with Jesus, when you step into this new life, it shouldn't leave us the same. See, Jesus loves you, whether you're, whether you're watching for the first time or not, Jesus loves you exactly how you are. But he loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you there. He loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you there. So it's supposed to alter different areas of our life. Actually, if you want to sum up my entire message into one, one key point, like one thing just to remember, if you're writing notes, write this down. If you're not writing notes, write this down. And that's a saved life is a changed life. A saved life is a changed life. 
we can't be the same. We're stepping into this new relationship. We can't, we can't start this new life with God with old habits. So the Apostle Paul, over the next few chapters, he's actually going to give us practical application, a framework of how we are to live out this faith. And I absolutely love it, and I love that there's a lot of gold that you can get from this. I'm actually going to break it up into three major categories, three different um, dynamics that we need to change, that we need to change our habits, we need to change how we relate to them, we, need to change, we just need to refocus how we look at these things and then live it out. So the first area, the first hat, like the first area in our life, the first realm that we need to change these habits is, number one, ourself. Ourself. I'll actually say it this way. We need to hand over, not hinder ourselves. Hand over ourselves, but not hinder ourselves. See, going back to the text that we read a moment ago, I want to paraphrase it, but the Apostle Paul in Romans 1, uh, 1 through 2, I mean Romans 12, verse 1 through 2, he says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Other translations actually translate that as your logical worship. So now that you know all of this, like it just makes sense to just give yourself to him because he gave, it, he gave himself for you. Because he died for us, we can live for him. So now, picking back up, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I remember uh, when I first read this, um, I, the, first, the first thing I, I thought of was like, what does this even mean? So here's the thing. I wasn't always a Christian. I know, right? It's kind of surprising. Why would, you, why would you give somebody a mic? Why would he bring the message if he wasn't always a Christian? Well, I wasn't always a Christian. My family would take me to church. I was raised in a church. I didn't quite understand it. It was a Spanish church. I don't know Spanish. So that's my dilemma. I'm learning now. But um, I, when I first read the, uh, what's a living sacrifice? What's a, what's a renewing of your mind? What, like, I just, it was foreign to me. I didn't quite understand. I couldn't, I couldn't really get it. I, it was just hard for me to, 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 to really put into practice or really get, put a framework for it. But for those that are in that same boat as me, what I've gone to learn is that, just to break it down, a living sacrifice, how we do that is simply by dedicating ourselves to God, allowing Him to do whatever He wants through us and in us. See, here's the thing about a living sacrifice. It's living, so that means we're going to squirm around. So it's very easy to come in on a Sunday and be like, God, use me however you want. God, I'm yours. But then, like, when he actually gives you direction and says, hey, you got you to gotta care for someone. And, oh, no, God, I don't want to do that. You know, I'm, I'm good. So it's that constant rededicating of our lives to Jesus. Or that constant rededicating ourselves, saying, God, I'm going to give myself to you. I am going to be your living sacrifice. But then we also have the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? What does that even mean? So renewing your mind, how, how we can do that collectively, right? Especially now in this new relationship is, is simply by prayer, by reading and reflecting on God's word, by, by stepping into a, a posture of worship, by meditating and reflecting on God's acts, not only in our life, but in the lives of others and allowing his Holy Spirit to continue his work in us. So maybe you're one of those people that you're probably thinking, nah, I'm good. I don't, you know, I give myself, I, I serve on team, I'm, uh, you know, I'm cool with God. He's cool with me. I really don't, you know, I, I don't know what this means, this whole living sacrifice. Yeah, I am alive. I gave it all to God. Like, you know, maybe you think of yourself a little too highly. The Apostle Paul, and the, that, that very next verse in, in Romans 12, verse 3, he says to not think of yourself more highly than what you should. Wow. Basically, he's saying, be humble, sit down. <laughs> right? He's telling us that we need to humble ourselves 
and just know that we have a role to play. Or maybe you're one of those people that you can, I can relate to, that my, my default mindset is not, hey, I'm good, like I can offer all this stuff. My default mindset actually is, I really don't know what I have to offer. Maybe you're someone that deals, that struggles with low self-worth and maybe you've allowed those thoughts of, of just like you being useless and, and you not being able to contribute much. You've allowed, you've allowed those, th- those thoughts to come in your, into your mind and it's, it's kind of held you back and it's kind of held you down. You know what? And that same note where he's telling the person to be humble, he's also telling the others that we are all a part of the body of Christ. We all have a role to play. So what is the body of Christ? The body of Christ is pretty much, we're Christians. Those that are those are part of the church, the community. Those are part of the spiritual family that is, that is God's children, right? Like we, we are the body of Christ. And here's the thing. Every single part in our physical bodies has a role to play. Sure, some get a little more attention, like our nose, our eyes. You know, you would think like I can't live without my thumb. You would think I can't live without my ears. It's, how would I be able to hear? But even, even the body parts that aren't quite seen, like your, your, your big toe, that actually helps you with balance, so whether you feel like you're in the back, you're, in, you're behind the scenes or not, you all, we all have a role to play in keeping the body moving and keeping the body alive and keeping the body healthy and keeping the body prospering. So everyone has a role to play. So even on that same note, on that same note where Paul's saying, hey, be humble and just know that you have worth, that you have a role to play. He even goes on to list a, a variety of spiritual gifts See, a spiritual gift is basically a talent, something that is supernatural, that is given from God specifically to you. And whether you may not know what that gift is yet, because you can always go to Growth Track 3 p.m., but you, whether you know that gift or not, God has, God has created you on purpose for a purpose. And I'm going to say that again, because I really want this to hit home with somebody watching right now, that maybe you're discouraged or you feel like, you don't, you, you, you feel like you're going through life aimlessly. You were created on purpose for a purpose. So we have to change. We have to change how we, how we, how we view ourselves. We need to change how, how we think about ourselves. We need to change ourselves. We got to change that, that framework, how we relate to ourselves. There's no way that we can continue with everything else that's, that's to come until we first focus on fixing how we view ourselves. So once we do that, now it's going to change how we act towards others, which takes us into the second realm, the second area that we need to change, that we need to produce new habits, that we need to, now that we've accepted Jesus, now that in light of all of God's mercies, this is the second thing we need to change, which is how we relate to the world, how we relate to the world. I'll say it this way. We need to remember, but not surrender to the world. Remember, but not surrender to the world. See, the Bible tells us in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I'm an ambassador of Jesus. That's amazing. If you're a Christian, you are an ambassador of Christ. You know, when I hear the word ambassador, I think of like the United Nations. I think of foreign affairs. But an ambassador is someone who, is, who represents an idea or person or a nation, but also has the authority bestowed upon them from that idea, person, or nation. So you're not only a representative of Jesus, but you, are, you might be the closest thing to Jesus someone will ever see. So, that, so we have to change how we relate to the world. You know, in the second half of Romans chapter 12, between verses 9 and 21, between 12 different verses, just 12, just 12 verses, the Apostle Paul lists almost 30 different scenarios on how we're to act towards one another and act towards others, to those that are not in the church, to those that maybe have hurt us, those that maybe have offended us, those that have done wrong towards us. One of them I'm going to highlight right now is that if someone does wrong by you, to not retaliate. 
that's tough. <laughs> that's tough for me because I can be petty. Hey, pray for me. You know, it, it tells us that if you have any unresolved conflict with anybody, to do everything that you can, do whatever you can to live at peace with everyone. We have to change how we relate to the world. You know, then we go into Romans chapter 13, which disclaimer, Romans chapter 13 offended me. Romans chapter 13 was challenging for me because right off the bat, it's, it, it really talks about how we should act towards authority. And, you know, again, I wasn't always a Christian. I'm a rebel by nature. If you tell me to go up, I'm going to probably want to go down. Like, I'm just, that's just my natural default. And don't judge me. I'll judge you right back. But pray for me, right? See, the thing is, right now, we live in a culture where nobody wants to be told what to do. We live in a culture where, like, they're jamming, they're jamming out to that song, like, la, 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 la. Like, you can't tell me nothing. Like, we live in a culture where there's such a high spirit of entrepreneurship, not simply because we really want to make our own money and make our own wealth, but because we just don't want a boss. Nobody likes being told what to do. Nobody likes being under authority, especially when it comes to government. I just, I know, I just said the G word. I'm sorry. I just, I just, I, that's a no-no. You can't talk about, you can't talk about politics and church. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about politics and church. I'm going to talk about how the church should relate to politics. I'm going to talk about how the church should relate to government. Actually, I'm not going to even say it. I'm going to let the Apostle Paul say it for me. So in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Again, that offended me. Because at least for me, I have my own viewpoints. I have my own beliefs that maybe I may not agree with somebody who's in authority. Maybe I may not agree with someone who's in leadership. Whether it's in our local, our state, our national government. Whether it's you know, in the government that, that really helps dictate everything that happens in this world. We all have different opinions, right? We all have different backgrounds. Just like... Again, the Apostle Paul, context is key. Here we are, one more, once more, context is key. The Apostle Paul is writing this church that is divided into two different groups that all have different relationships with the form of government they were accustomed to. So the, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, they were accustomed to a king being anointed, and they were accustomed to the religious leaders being those that kind of handled a lot of the governance of the land. But then you also have the Gentiles, the, the people that are from them, the Greeks, that that for them, they're used to what's called an autocracy, which is all the power, all the, all the authority is given to one person, which at that time was Caesar. And Caesar wanted to be viewed as a god. So basically, they were accustomed to just one person, one person ruling it all that wanted to be treated like a god. So they had to really shift gears of like, wait, you're not god, but like he, Jesus is god. And, and then you have the other group that really they rebelled against the Roman government, which actually left them being oppressed. So two different people are being divided by their own political views and their own political backgrounds. But yet Paul is saying, hey, we got we to gotta bring it together. We got we to gotta bring this thing. We, we got to make sure we got to bridge the gap. Because there were two different extremes. Sounds a lot like today. <laughs> there was two different extremes. But yet the Apostle Paul is saying, we are to adhere to the governing bodies. That it was appointed by Christ. Whether you agree with it or not. It's It's tough. It's hard, especially nowadays we live, again, we live in a culture where everyone is, it's, it's very easy to get caught up in, in, in what's in the circus that's happening in the world and to be divided. And, and we can be in a church with so many different political views, so many different political backgrounds, but yet how we, how we relate to government can also be different. But yet the apostle Paul is saying, no, 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 no. We're supposed to adhere to the authority. It's, it's you know, it's crazy to me that election day is, 
in two days. Right now, we're, we're all, while I'm speaking, while we're having the service, we, we have an upcoming election here in the United States. And um, on Tuesday, it is election day. And what I'm going to ask every person watching, every Christian watching, is if the person you did not vote for gets elected, if the person you did not vote for gets elected, will you still pray for them? Once again, if the person you did not vote for gets elected, will you still pray for them? Or are you going to riot? Or are you going to throw a ruckus? Are you going to, are you going to talk bad about someone that was appointed by Christ to be in leadership? See, the Bible, the Bible actually has plenty of different scenarios where, where we would say it's not good leadership. But yet somehow, way, God always finds a way to redeem that. God always finds a way to, to, to make sure that his people are still living out in the promises. And whether we learn something or not through that bad leadership, what we would consider bad leadership, again, God is a God that restores. God is a God that can bring, that can bring life out of death. God is a God that can do anything. And ultimately, all the authority, all the power, all the honor belongs to him. So it doesn't matter whether you're going to vote Democrat, Republican, Independent, whether you wanted to write Kanye in the ballot. Guess what? Jesus has all the authority. Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is ruler of all. He is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. So again, we have to relate to authority correctly and honor it, whether we agree with it or not. So that's the first half of chapter 13. The second half, actually, the Apostle Paul then goes on to speak about how we're supposed to relate to, to one another and relate to those that maybe aren't in the church. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say that how we should basically pay off all of our debts, whether it's financial or whether it's, you know, say like someone helped you move. Help them move too when it's their, when it's their turn. Like if you owe someone something, give it back to them. Let's, let's, let's always make sure our accounts are balanced, except for one, one area, in love. He tells us to always be in debt and love. And that's hard. <laughs> that is hard because there's some days where I wake up and I really don't feel loving. And there's some days where I really, really don't feel like being kind. And there's, can I get an amen there? <laughs> like, and there are some days where, again, I just, I don't want to love. But yet Paul's telling us to go out and to love on everyone. Jesus tells, Jesus tells us that the, the law can be summarized in two things. To love God with all your heart all your mind and your body. That's ourself, right? And then to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. So treat people how you want to be treated. Actually treat them better than how you would want to be treated. Because that is what is called the fulfillment of the law. To act out of love. And, and, and I'll tell you this much. Whenever you act out of love, even when the person is in the wrong, you'll never cause harm. You'll never go wrong by acting out of love. So now that as we go out, as we're you know, acting out in love, we're adhering to authority. The third area, we got, remember, we got to bring it all back in. Now that now we focus on ourselves, we focus on the world. Now, how do we bring this back in? The third area that we need to change, that we need to develop new habits, that we need to develop a new mind frame, is with the church. Ourself, the world, the church. I'll say it this way. We need to focus on being the church. Okay. Write that in italics if you're writing notes. We need to focus on being the church, not in a church, which is hard because, you know, I think, I think I speak on behalf of myself and I hope I'm not the only one here, but I can get really, really caught up in the atmosphere. Like, look at these walls. Look at, look at these lights. Like, 
This is how church is. This is what church is supposed to look like. We're supposed to have worship. We're supposed to do it on Sunday. We're supposed to do it on this many times on a Sunday. Like it's, it's, it's easy for me to be focused on the atmosphere and be focused on the building. But yet we're called to be the church. See, Paul, instru- Paul's instructing us between chapters 14 and 16 on how we're to interact with fellow believers. See, earlier in the book of Romans, we're, we're told that we are now adopted into God's family. So that means as a believer, as a Christian, we are, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So now that we're all a part of the family with him as our father, we got to get along. <laughs> we have to relate to one another differently. We have to change how we act towards one another. You know, growing up, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the youngest out of four, and I have two sisters and one brother, and growing up, I can definitely say there were times where I did not get along with my siblings. One of them, for sure, like my sister Jackie, always. We always got along, no problem. But there's other times where I can't say I got along with my brother and my oldest sister. And, and I remember, uh, I think it was last year, the year before, it was like Thanksgiving or Christmas. I just want to throw those out there. I think Thanksgiving is the better holiday, but that's just me. Um, it, we're, we're all hanging out. It's me, my brother, both my sisters were there, and, and it was beautiful. It was, a, it was an amazing time. We're all just, just joking around. We're talking to one another, and I just see my mom just sitting there, and she's just observing, and, you know, I call my mom lady, so I'm like, hey, lady, what's, like, what's, what's going on? You good? And I can just see the joy that's, that's in her heart, and I remember, I remember her telling me that all I wanted, that when my kids grew up, they would get along. All my parent wanted was for their children to get along. Church, I want to tell you all God wants is for us to get along. He wants us, he wants us to be in a thriving relationship with one another. He doesn't want us divided. He doesn't want us to focus on the things that would break us apart. He wants us all to be in unity. We need to be the church, not focus on being in a church. But wait, man, you're wrong, man. The, 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 the theology that I believe is different from yours. Okay, which I, I can understand that. And, and yeah, that's the reason why we have different denominations and, and, and I can go on for days about this. But again, context is key. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing these, when he's, when he's writing these chapters, he's specifically directing it to strong and weak Christians. So what is a strong and a weak Christian? I'll just define what a weak one is. So a weak Christian is basically someone who really can't grasp everything that Paul has covered over the previous 11 chapters. It's maybe someone that who, who doesn't quite understand that, that justification comes simply by, by believing in Jesus. Maybe they don't quite believe that, that they don't have to work towards salvation, but instead all they have to do is believe. They didn't quite understand Romans 8.1 where it says that therefore there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. They didn't quite understand Romans 5 when it says that salvation is apart from works, but it's simply by, by grace through faith. It's crazy. So he's, he's basically telling the church to be there for one another, encourage one another, lift one another up. He's telling the strong Christians to, hey, go ahead and pick up your weak brothers and don't argue over what's called disputable matters. A disputable matter is the non-essentials. A disputable matter in that context was what food they ate, like, you can't eat this food if you believe in Jesus. It was uh, what day you worship, what day you actually go to the temple, that you go to church. That's a non-essential. The essentials are simply this, that Jesus, Jesus is the Son of God 
that he came to earth, he died for our sins, he paid the price that we couldn't pay for ourselves, that he died, he, he then resurrected, and all we have to do is believe that he did those things, that he is who he is, and we will be saved. That is the essential. That is the good news. So let's not focus on the things that divide us. He's telling us to focus on the things that bring us together. Focus on being the church. Focus on being with one another. We've been saying this throughout the entire pandemic. Actually, this has been, this hasn't just been a Calvary thing. This is actually the world. I'm seeing this even on Google, uh, Google campaigns, that we are stronger together. And it's a lot easier said than done. I'll, 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 I'll give you that. <laughs> because it's, in the church, we're dealing with people and people are not perfect. And maybe you're someone out there today and, and you've been hurt by the church. And I want, I want to say right now, on behalf of the entire church, not just the church of Calvary, but the global church of Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that person hurt you. I'm sorry that person offended you. I'm sorry that person didn't really respect what you believed. But, but that doesn't mean give up. That doesn't mean give up. Give it another shot. We got to focus on being the church, not being in a church. You know, it's funny on that same note, when Paul is talking about the weak and strong Christians, he even goes on to say that even if you're with a weak, a weak brother or a weak sister, try to do everything you can to not make them stumble. Like, don't, don't try to offend them. Don't try to throw them off of what they're doing. So maybe in that, in that scenario, it was maybe someone said, hey, for me to be Christian, for me to worship Jesus, I have to be vegan. So having known that, that doesn't mean go to Outback Steakhouse and eat a steak in front of them. Like, be considerate. You want to know what the definition of considerate is? To have considered that person. To have considered something else. That's all you got to do is just consider them and just do everything possible to not cause someone else to stumble or offend someone else. Remember, we got to get along. We're brothers and sisters. See, going on to Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul, he writes, just starting off that chapter, he writes, Now we who are strong in our convictions and faith ought to patiently put up with the weaknesses of those who are not strong. And not just to please ourselves, so you're not doing this for you, but let each, each one of us make it a practice, so make it a practice, to please his neighbor for his good, to build him or her up spiritually. We don't do this for us. We do it for them. That's how we operate out of love. It's, it's selfless. It's saying, I'm going to put you before me. And that's how we have to be as a family. And then even going on a couple of verses in chapter 15, verse 7. The reason why we need to focus on being the church and not in a church is simply this. Where Paul tells us to accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. But why? In order to bring, to bring praise to God. So when we get along and we accept one another... Weak, strong, however you want to define it, we bring praise to God. All of this, all this good news, all of God's mercy, this is how we're supposed to respond to it. The good news is here. The good news is here. And maybe you're, you're watching right now, you're tuning in for the first time, or maybe you've been watching Calvary Church online since we've, since we've gone online, but you've struggled with this with this idea of acceptance. Like it's easy for you to believe there is God, but it's, it's not easy for you to believe that he loves you and that he's accepted you. 
Remember, the second part of this verse says, just as Christ accepted you, he accepts you. He wants you. He loves you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. The good news is here. Jesus is for you. You know, for me, and I, I kept on telling myself, Don't, try not to cry, so I'm going to try my best right now. But, you know, you got you to gotta wonder, why, like, why is it good news? I can only speak on behalf of myself. It's good news to me because God allows people like me and people like you, maybe. Short-tempered, imperfect, broken, curse a little bit. <laughs> you know, maybe have lied, maybe have cheated, have done bad things, said, that, said bad things, thought bad things. You know? Here's the thing. I may have a mic taped on to my ear right now, and I'm, you know, I'm here on camera, but I know I don't deserve this. I know I don't deserve to be here right now to proclaim God's word. But it's good news because in light of all that, he allows people like me and people like you to have a purpose, to serve one another, to be his ambassador, and to be a part of his family. That's why it's good news. That's why it's good news. And the good news is here and the good news is for you. So what I actually want to do right now is I want to give an opportunity for maybe someone out there that's watching. This is maybe your first time or you, you can say that maybe this, you don't have a relationship with God, that you hear, you're hearing these things and, and it makes sense to you, but you can't fathom making those changes because you, you can't say that you have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you've made a decision to start a relationship with him, but have, have, call, have done what we call backsliding, like you, felt, like you feel so distant from God. I actually want to give you an opportunity to make a decision right now to start a relationship with Jesus. So wherever you're at right now, whether you're at home, you're at work, you're at a barbecue, wherever you're at, right? I'm actually gonna ask everyone here too, if we can close our eyes and bow our heads. And what I wanna do is I wanna give you an opportunity to make a decision. See, the gospel is this, that we have all fallen short of God's grace and, and his standard of righteousness. Right, that's, that's actually the bad, the bad news part of it, is that we all are sinners. We all have fallen short. We all missed the mark, myself included. And the thing is that sin separates us from God. But here's the good news, is that we don't have to earn our way to him. He came to us. Jesus stepped down from heaven. He was, lived in this world for 33 years, came as a baby, lived an entire life, a full life, a sinless life, a perfect life. And then he gave himself up on a cross because the wages of sin is death. That's a price that neither I or you can ever pay for ourselves. But Jesus paid that price. And because he is almighty and all powerful, while he was dead for three days, he resurrected. And all we need to do is simply believe in our hearts and declare with our mouth that he is Lord and we can accept that free gift of salvation and forgiveness. That's the good news. So I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to that good news. Again, while eyes closed and head bowed, if wherever you're at right now, I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to just raise your hand if you're making that decision. And though I cannot see you on the other side of this screen, 
that's okay, God sees you. And I'm asking you to, to raise your hand because when you act out externally, what's happening, what's happening internally, it just makes it all the more real. So on the count of three, just raise your hand and you can put it right back down. One, God loves you. Two, your life will never be the same again. And three, if that's you, you could just put your hand right up wherever you are, wherever you are. Just put your hand right up and you can put it right back down. Now you're making that decision, God, I choose you. God, I want you. God, I believe in you. Amazing. I truly believe that there are hands being raised all across the world right now. And I truly believe that even if you did not raise your hand, it's okay, God sees it. And if you made that decision today, I just want to say congratulations. But what, I'm gonna, what I want to do is I want to lead you in a prayer. And it's a repeat after me prayer. It's not a prayer to a pastor. It's not a prayer to a church. It's a prayer to God. It's a prayer to your heavenly father. And I just want to make this first dialogue between you and him very easy. And because we are family, everyone that's here in our broadcast location, repeat after me because we're alongside of you in this journey. So repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I am healed, I am made new, and I will follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I love you, and I thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we make some noise for everybody making that decision today? Absolutely amazing. You know, I, I just want to congratulate you right now if you made that decision. Uh, just really, congratulations on the best decision of your life. While life may not be perfect, I'm telling you it's going to be better because now you have, you have a Savior that's going to be alongside of you every step of the way. And you have a community here at Calvary Church that just wants nothing but to be a resource to you. Actually, if you made that decision, why don't you go ahead and take out your phone and text the word decided to the number on the screen. It's going to be 33222. So text the word decided to 33222. What's going to happen is you're going to receive a link. We just simply want to get connected with you. You're going to probably receive an email. The whole purpose of this is we want to give you a free Bible, free gift from us to you, free 99. We want to put this in your hand because as you, as you now step into this relationship with God, you want to grow in that relationship. And the best way to do that is getting into God's word, learning about his character and his promise for your life. But again, congratulations. But before we head out, I actually want to pray for another group of people. I want to pray for Christians. I want to pray for those that are watching that. You know, we've gone through this book of Romans and, and, and even on the topic of today, we're thinking about changes that we need to make, especially when it comes to how we interact with ourselves or with our families and with the world. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with resentment in your heart. Maybe you're dealing with resentment for yourself. Maybe there's an area in your heart or in your life that needs healing. That you need to let God go ahead and, and do what he can do. You need him to minister to your heart. What I want to do right now is I want to pray for you. And wherever you're at, even if you have the, like, if you're on your phone, like, put it down for a second. Just hear, just hear. Don't focus on watching right now. I want you to, to really take this time to be ministered to. But I want to pray for anybody right now that, that maybe this idea of making these changes, this transformation, it's hard for you, especially when it comes to our relationships. So if that's you, you feel free to email us at info at Calvary Connect, but I'm going to pray for you right now. 
So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, I thank you for this, this privilege we have, God, to call you, Lord, to just speak to you. And Lord, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice that, Jesus, that you would bring healing to them. You would bring comfort to them, God. For anybody who has had a struggle with grasping this idea of changing how we relate to one another, how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to the church, anybody that's been hurt by the church, God, I pray for healing in their heart. I pray for healing in their spirit, Jesus. I pray that, God, that you would just um, give them a fresh wind, a fresh fire, God, that you would comfort them, God. That, Jesus, that you would surround them with community, God, that, that would strengthen them, that would edify them. And Jesus, I pray that they wouldn't, they wouldn't allow the enemy to get in their head, allow the enemy to, to create a wedge between them and your family and your children and your home and your body. So God, I pray for every single person, God, right now, Jesus, that we would always remember who you are, God. You're a God that loves us, that's for us, that's with us, and wants nothing more but to be in a relationship with us and for your kids to get along. So God, I pray for restoration in marriages, in families, in workplaces. I pray for restoration in the church, Jesus, that we wouldn't allow division to happen, but instead we would fight for unity. So God, bring healing in their lives, Jesus. Lord, may we always be encouraged every single time we remember your goodness and your grace. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, anybody love Jesus? Come on, let me know in the chat. I hope this message encouraged you today. Church, remember, we gotta change. We can't be the same with ourselves, with the world, and with the church. But church, we love you. We still have a few more services happening today, but that's it for me. What I want to do right now is go ahead and throw this over to our post-service to our post party with Phil and Steph. I love you. Have the best week ever, and we'll see you soon.